Hello, one and all. Welcome to Alternate Jersey, the podcast that reimagines your favorite sports moments to find out what could have happened. I'm your host, and something funny goes here, Grant Evan. We are in the throes of basketball season, and you may have noticed a sudden precipitous drop of the once great Golden State Warriors. With Durant gone and a handful of stars injured, the era of the Warriors dynasty may be coming to a close before our eyes. One star is very noticeably absent from the Warriors lineup right now, however, one Stephen Curry. I don't need to tell even the most casual basketball fan who Steph Curry is. Five NBA Finals appearances, three wins, two-time MVP, six-time All-Star, arguably one of the greatest three-point shooters of all time, and a complete game-changer for an otherwise dismal franchise left to rot in the Bay Area. The Warriors taking Steph in 2009 completely changed their trajectory and led them to be the single most dominant squad in this decade. You've probably guessed where I'm going with this. Recently, we've learned that there is a deal in place between the Golden State Warriors and another much milling franchise to surrender Golden State's 2009 first round pick, pick number 7 to be exact, in exchange for a big old power forward to straight up. That malign franchise was the Phoenix Suns, and the big old power forward was Amare Stoudemire. And the orchestrator of this whole thing was Suns executive and future Golden State coach, Steve Kerr. As we know, that didn't happen. Steph shockingly fell to pick number 7, got scooped up by the Warriors, came into prominence in 2013, and have kept the Warriors in the conversation for a championship every single year since. The Suns, well, they sure have played some basketball. But what if the Warriors made the trade of Phoenix? First of all, the Suns take Curry. Duh. Amare then heads out to Oakland, and this is where I'll do some light summarizing for you, because the first four years of our timeline are going to be more expositional than earth-shattering. Amare was a big success in Phoenix, but he had a good supporting cast and won Steve Nash, so he had a lot of very good looks. In Golden State, he'll arguably be their best-looking player, but won't have a Nash type to set him up so his production goes down, and he definitely does not end up being the superstar the Warriors had hoped for in that trade. This is going to set them up for a rough couple of seasons, but we'll get back to that. Curry isn't going to contribute much to that pretty good early 2010s Phoenix team for the first little while, but he is going to get invaluable learning experience behind two-time MVP Steve Nash. Curry doesn't have to do it all, all the time, completely alone, so his ankle is able to stay healthy and well-rested all the time. When Nash eventually leaves for the Lakers, Steph is set up really nicely to take over in the footsteps of the all-time great. Golden State isn't completely hopeless, though, as we head into 2013. You may recall that Golden State's high-scoring phenom Monte Ellis was traded to Milwaukee in exchange for Steven Jackson and Andrew Bogust. But now that's not happening, so you get a great duo in Amare and Monte. So, hey, the Warriors will actually look competitive for a little while. It's 2013, and the Spurs' reign of terror is still going strong in the West, but all of a sudden, Curry is bringing the Suns out... Well, into the sun. During the 13-14 season, Curry begins averaging 24 points a game on the Warriors, which is easily more than anybody on the 13-14 Suns roster is currently producing. Worth noting is that the Suns were on the verge of a maybe playoff appearance that year. They were one game out of qualifying for an 8th seed, two games from a 7th, and three from a 6th. 
With Steph on their roster, the Suns pick up an additional five wins, grab the number six seed just behind the Rockets and Trailblazers, and the Spurs are still going to win the finals. But Phoenix announces themselves as a true contender. As for the Warriors, they've still taken Klay Thompson in the 2011 draft and Draymond Green in the 2012 draft, but haven't really crafted anything superstars in the years leading up to this season. Furthermore, without a clear-cut star or uber-competitive team, there's no real reason for Steve Kerr to come out and coach that Golden State squad. Without Curry as their centerpiece, the Warriors will average anywhere between good and mediocre for the remainder of our timeline. 2014-15 would be the first ring in the Warriors dynasty, but no Steph means no finals trip, so we gotta figure out who's in a rumble with the LeBron-led Cavaliers. Steph averaged another 24 points a game, which puts the Suns in a really nice position since many of their losses were nail biters. Phoenix picks up a whopping 20 extra wins, bumping them up to a 59-23 record and the would-be number two seed. But remember, the Warriors certainly aren't grabbing the number one seed, so we have to do a little bit of extra analysis to figure out our Western Conference playoff picture. Starting with Golden State, we don't have Steph or Kerr around, but we do have Clay to pick up some of the point-scoring slack, but not like all of the slack. The Warriors drop 16 close ones, bringing them down from 67 wins to respectable 51 wins, enough to grab the number 7 seed and bump the Pelicans out of the playoffs entirely. So yes, the Suns take the number 1 seed. The number 2 seed now goes to the LA Clippers, and it's the one extra win against Golden State and giving them the bump they needed to get past Houston. Meaning, your new Western Conference playoffs are as such. Number one, the Phoenix Suns. Number two, the Los Angeles Clippers. Number three, the Houston Rockets. Number four, the Portland Trailblazers. Number five, the Memphis Grizzlies. Number six, the San Antonio Spurs. Number seven, the Golden State Warriors. And number eight, the Dallas Mavericks. Dallas gets absolutely blasted by Phoenix in round one, while the Clippers, Rockets, and Grizzlies all advance. Phoenix wins in 6 against Memphis, and Houston once again thwarts the Clippers, just like in our real world. Our Western Conference Finals is the Phoenix Suns and the Houston Rockets. After 7 simulations and accounting for a weirdly better system for Steph to play in, Phoenix wins the Conference Finals for the first time since 1993. Now the one thing standing between them and their first championship? The Cavaliers. And that's an ass blasting. Phoenix drops the finals in five to LeBron, and he screams Cleveland with a little less intensity and a whole year earlier. So now, naturally, Steph is pissed. 2015, Curry posted 30 points a game and won league MVP. The real-world Suns absolutely stunk this season, but now we're adjusting for a few things, i.e. more experience, a real superstar in their midst, a coach who runs a fast-paced high-PG usage offense that better suits Curry, and woo boy, the Suns are coming with a vengeance. Okay, just hang on to your shorts here when I drop this drastic change to the Suns record, because it's probably the most drastic change I've dropped on this show, so let me preface it with a few things. One, the Suns dropped a ton of games by fewer than 10 points. Steph alone averages 30. The Suns didn't exactly have shitty players from a sheer scoring perspective. Even without that extra 30 points that Steph brings, the Suns have a Devin Booker and Brandon Knight, who were decent scorers in their own right. So when I calmly tell you that with Curry, the Suns pick up 43 more wins, don't freak out too much. But yes... 43 wins. Now that gets the Suns to a 66-16 record, so it's not historic Warriors levels of winning, but holy shit, the Suns have 66 wins. 
To save us all some time, let me just tell you that it's going to be Phoenix versus Oklahoma City in the conference finals. This one may hurt Suns fans, but when the Thunder get out to their 3-1 lead against Phoenix, the Suns don't have the back group to help Curry out of this jam. The Thunder stun the Suns, Kevin Durant doesn't get kicked in the balls, and the OKC Thunder are once again back in the league finals to face LeBron James. They lose, so it's a two-peat for the Cavs, and Durant gets pretty sick of this whole losing thing, so he's out of Oklahoma City still. But where to send him? Golden State isn't competitive anymore. The Suns could probably benefit from him, but again, no championships there, and no Steve Kerr to lure him to the big winning happening in Phoenix. We can use our well of teams we know who tried to land Durant and do a team-by-team -team breakdown of the most likely destination. Durant, during the course of his brief free agency, met with the Warriors, Clippers, Spurs, Heat, and Celtics. And we know a few things about Durant's preferences. One, he wanted to win a ring. Two, he wanted to be a featured player. And three, he wanted to be on a team with loads of talent. Knowing that, we can rule out Golden State and the Clippers. Golden State don't have the depth or competition levels anymore, and the Clippers were in cap hell and not fully poised to grab the superstar. Plus, we've already done that timeline in a different episode. The Heat were trending up, but the writing was on the wall that their chances were running out. Chris Bosh was leaving, the team's depth was depleting, and Durant wasn't going to be pulling a LeBron to make a super team in Miami. Heat's out. The Celtics are compelling. Out of everyone on this list, they have a lot of what he was looking for. They offered a max contract, had the depth to make a deep playoff run of Isaiah Thomas, Avery Bradley, and Marcus Smart, and Durant would easily land a starting job since nobody on the team really compared. KD is even on record saying Boston was really impressive when he met with them and they rolled out all the stops to try and land him. Durant has been dodgy about why he didn't end up joining Boston, but the allure of Golden State was probably too strong. If another team had something better, maybe he could be convinced. And finally, San Antonio. The Spurs just had a run as the second seed in the West and were very close to a first if Steph wasn't going on an MVP tear through the league. They have the legacy of success, a very recent championship, an all-time great coach, and an entire Kawhi Leonard. So it's here where we have our two most likely options. On one hand, you have the mismatch hell that other teams would be forced to face with a team stacked with Leonard and Durant, and on the other, you have the shit ton of cash and decent depth of the Celtics. Based on what Durant chose in our real world, choosing to land with a cluster of stars instead of oodles of cash, Kevin Durant is joining the San Antonio Spurs. I wonder how Premel from Prem Brulee would feel about that. So let me get this fucking straight, right? Kevin Durant, some of you call the best player in the league, for God knows what fucking reason, is literally a series away from winning his first ring, only to be met by Lagod James makes the finals with the Thunder, and now decides his snake ass wants to leave for greener pastures and the unfair team that already is the San Antonio Spurs with Greg Popovich, Tim Duncan, Manu Ginobili, Tony Parker, and oh yeah, fucking Kawhi Leonard. Is the team you already had not enough? What the fuck do you need to make that weak ass move and move to San Antonio? fucking series away from a finals oklahoma city loves you do you want to go to another boring ass town that's already won on its own without you 
man, if that ain't about the weakest move ever, and don't even bother trying to compare it to LeBron going to Miami, save it. Fuck out of here. It's nice to know that life has a few constants no matter how many changes you make. Death, paying taxes, and Premel calling Kevin Durant a snake at every opportunity he could possibly have, even in an alternate universe. So yes, Durant joins the likes of Pop, Kawhi, Brown, and Tim Duncan to form what may be an even more stat team than even the Warriors put together. You probably see where this is going. Durant joins a Spurs team that went 61-22 the season previous without Kevin Durant. Remove his and Curry stats from the Warriors and they're straight out of the playoffs. Plug KD into San Antonio and you have a team with a 74-8 record and Curry's sons pick up 30 more wins, but that's a fourth seed finish. The Spurs crush the West with little regard for human life, square off against LeBron and finally hand the all-time great a finals loss in this era of unprecedented success for LeBron. Tim Duncan gets to retire on a sunset finish as he rides out of the league as a player with one more juicy ring. The Spurs are a scourge again in the following year as Curry slowly watches his sons crumble around him as they struggle to build a real team. San Antonio and Houston go blow for blow in the Western Conference Finals the following season, but it's the Rockets who finally punch the ticket into the Finals for the chance to battle LeBron James. James Harden and the gang pull it off, and Texas gets their second ring in two years as a state. Kawhi spent a lot of that 2018 season under strange circumstances, but seeing his team go deep again and knowing KD is still there for one more season completely rids his need to be traded. So the Spurs keep the band together, Kawhi has a career year, Danny Green has a career year, Durant does Durant things, and it's another mad charge into the finals against not LeBron and not the Raptors. Yes, with Kawhi not in Toronto to bring the North a ring, the East is suddenly wide open. The buzzer beater to send the 76ers packing? Gone. Instead, the MVP Giannis gets to bring the Bucks into the picture after besting Philly, and it's Spurs versus Bucks. And after a seven-game slugfest, the Spurs win it yet again. So, Phoenix, listen. Enjoy your slow climb right now. Even if you landed that white whale and did everything right, another team would rise. Curry's presence in Phoenix rids us of the Warriors dynasty, but does hand us yet another Spurs dynasty and a Cavaliers dynasty. Harden gets a ring, the Thunder get the satisfaction of knowing that they still wouldn't have won that finals, and Curry enters the hallowed company of Russell Westbrook and Karl Malone as a player who is really, really good and suck on a team that can't do shit with them, while another super team just runs all over them. And that is what could have happened if the Warriors and Suns made a trade for pick number 7 in the 2009 draft. How do you feel? Do you agree? Disagree? Feel free to call me out or shout me out on Twitter at GrantEvanAJ. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next time with another jersey and another story. And an extra special shout out this week to my co-writer of this timeline, Will Muckian. Go listen to his show at Goalie Field. And of course, thank you to Premel Bot for providing his lovely voice for the alternate version of his own show. Please be sure to check out Prem Brulee. Both of these are also Play Call Network podcast sister shows. Thanks again, everybody.